0: We love good news, right? Good news is fun. Uh, Good news is often fun. You know, one of the things that I've seen over online, uh, particularly social media, is gender reveals. Uh, Any of you guys do uh, eccentric or or, uh, elaborate uh, gender reveals? Anybody? Anybody? Uh, So, basically, when you find out the sex of your baby, you hold a party, and in some fantastic way, you know, you let everybody know. Usually, pink, you know, symbolizing uh, a girl, and, and blue symbolizing a boy, and it's fun to watch those things, and sometimes I'm thinking, man, that sounds like a whole lot of planning and work that I wouldn't be interested in, but they're excited to find out the sex of their baby. It's a boy or a girl, and they just want to tell everybody because it's good News, it's good news. Um, You know, maybe uh, another thing. Speaking of online videos, is uh, you see a lot of parents uh, they're they're going to take their kids to Disney World, and so they'll they'll videotape their response. Say, "Hey, we're going to Disney World," and you get to see the kids' reaction. Have you ever seen any of those? And it's like, oh man, they're they're freaking out. They're screaming. They're crying. And uh, I saw one the other day. um, It was a, a Down syndrome kid and he's probably a teenager and uh you know that's a little bit dear to my heart right and so I saw that and the kids start crying and I'm like oh man um and I have a policy you know I don't really cry over things I'm kind of emotional like emotionally dead <laughs> maybe <laughs> I'm just kidding I'm kidding I shouldn't say that hey whoa 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 shots fired it's okay the day is still young <laughs> so um but you know but th- that kind of stuff you know will kind of get me um uh, teary-eyed, you know, not crying. But um, uh, and speaking of that is uh, homecoming videos. Anybody watch that military, you know, and uh, some of you guys have, have been, uh, you know, actively in par- a part of that, but seeing those videos every time, man, I'm like, oh man, uh, tears my heart out. And uh, I saw one the other day. I shared it on Facebook. If you're friends with me, it was uh, this Dad was working, I think he was a painter, and uh, his son and, uh, comes home in uniform, and he's behind him, just completely shocks and stuns him, and dad instantly just weeps, and I'm like, oh, oh my goodness, you know, whoo, it's all good, we're good, we're good, but you know, we love good news, it's fun, right? Um, I know one, uh, good news for my wife, you know, is um, Ikea is opening up in Norfolk, <laughs> so, which happens to be bad news for me, but... You ever put together IKEA furniture? When does that open? April 10th. April 10th. Okay. Yeah. Oh, sir. <laughs> Kim's like I already know. So, but you know that's good news, and and so uh, we love good news. It's fun, um, but we also need good news. You know, I'm thinking like in our lives, in our world, like our world is full of so much bad news that like man, we need to catch a break sometimes. Like, it, it, don't you feel that way? Like, man, I just need some good news. And you're thinking um, like, like you've been working hard towards a certain job anticipating it and praying for it and, and, and putting work in towards it and, and you find out that you, you've gotten the job that you've really been working towards and, and man, like it's not, that's not the fun kind of good news. That's just like, man, I, I need that good news. Or uh, there's an accident at your kid's school and you don't know the details yet and then you, you get the news your kids are okay. Man, that's the kind of good news you need. You know what I'm saying? Like just that sigh of relief. Uh um you you got accepted into the program that you were so invested in, or or uh you went to the doctor and you received good news. Man, that's just that's the kind of good news that like we 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 long for. Some is the kind of good news that we need. And um, in a world with so much bad news all around us, you know, we love things that um, that move us, things that make us laugh, things that make us cry in the good way, uh, things that, that move us. And, and in a world where um, we we need good news, and, and and this is a world where like if you got the corresponding bad news, it would kind of wreck you. You know, like like something happened at the school, and it was your kid, or or you went to the doctor, and it was uh, not what you wanted, or that job that you worked so hard for, you you didn't get. It, this is the kind of the opposite um, would absolutely wreck you. The but we pray for good news. So so today, as we continue um, our series of story of God, we're going to talk about good news today, and it's the it's the good news. It's the news I think we need uh, to hear the good news. So. Um, we've been taking this plane ride uh, over the scriptures, through the storyline of the whole entire Bible, seven weeks, you know, uh, from beginning to end, and we're trying to look at some of the some of the high points and some of the touch points of the scriptures. And um, of course, we can't get into the, a lot of the details because we're thirty five thousand feet up. We're able to see some of the landscape, some of the high points, and some of the some of the um, the, the panoramic view of it all. But. Uh, We've been in the Old Testament for three weeks. You know, we see things like God creating, God creates, and, and then we see things like man kind of completely obliterates that relationship by rejecting God. But the rest of the storyline in the Bible is that God is pursuing his people. He makes a number of these covenants. We talked about covenants over the past few weeks, and um, that is a, a relationship. It's a way that God relates to his people. And so it's a commitment, yes, but it is, it is, is the means to which God is, is relating to his people, and he constantly calls his people to trust in him. God tells us to trust me. And so this week, we're starting that journey over the New Testament, okay? And so and to give you a really simplistic answer, uh, the Old Testament, as we talk about, the, the beginning two-thirds of our Bible, that's all before Jesus, and the New Testament is all uh, during and after Jesus, okay? So Old Testament is, in in another way of saying it, Testament actually uh, means covenant in this context, okay? So the Old Testament is the way that God relates to his people before Jesus, it's the way that he relates to people. It's through these covenants, through these laws, and through obedience. And and then the new covenant, we talk about when Jesus shows up on the scene, that's how God chooses uh, to relate to his people. It's no longer through the old way. It's the new way. It's through Jesus. It's now through Jesus. And so that's how we relate to God. And and there is actually another way, the storyline of the scriptures, there's another way that you can relate to God. And, and that is for you to... Um, Well, that's for you to be flawless, okay? That's for you to be absolutely perfect. But we all know that that ship has sailed a long time ago. And so here we are saying, Jesus, we need you, all right? So that's the new covenant in a nutshell, all right? And so it's at this time in the story of God where you go through these years of of people falling away from God and people um, being called back to God and God pursuing his people and these covenants and these rules and laws. It's at this point in the story of God where it crescendos and it kind of comes to this climax because guess what? It's good news. It's the good news that we want. It's the good news that I think we need. And so enter the story of God is the, what we know as the Gospels. When I say the Gospels, I'm talking about those four books of the Bible, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they tell the story of Jesus' life and his teachings. It, 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 this, it, well, a lot of what we know about Jesus is from uh, what we call the Gospels. And, and guess what the word gospel means? Anybody? It means good news. It means good news in the Greek. It's euangelion. And angelios, an, angelos sounds a lot like the word angel. Okay, angels were messengers. Okay, so you have this good news, this good message. Okay, and so uh, euangelion is this gospel, which is good news. And so we often refer to the gospel uh, of Jesus, and we often refer to like, the things like the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, where we can find forgiveness of sins. That's the gospel of Jesus. but But so much so that these accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are referred to as the Gospels, the good news, the good message about Jesus. Now, real quick, a little bit of introduction to these, to these four books because, uh, uh, again, we're, we're overviewing them at a pretty high altitude, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the Synoptic Gospels. That means they're seen together. A lot of their, uh, there's a lot of overlap and interaction uh, and content between those three. They share about 60% of the content um, uh, with each other, and um, they each have some unique stuff, but, you know, by and large. Now, John is a little bit out there uh, on his own. He has like 90% unique content, and uh, there's still overlap at particularly some of the high points of the story, uh, but he's kind of coming from a different agenda, a different purpose, um, as they are each written with their own unique purpose to their own um, audience and all their, their own agenda. So, in the storyline of the scriptures, it's at this point that God breaks into humanity. It's that at this point God breaks into humanity in a major way. Now, now we see the storyline of the scripture th- from the very beginning that God constantly had been making inroads into the story of man. Like uh, he had a, a, a perfect relationship with them. Uh, he would send the angel of the Lord, this mysterious figure, some think was God himself or it was Jesus. Uh, uh, God would make these covenants. He would send, uh, send his law. He would, he would guide them by pillars of fire or cloud. He, he was always showing up in these different ways. But it's at this point in the story where God uh, uh, just comes in a major way The divine entering the human story so that humans can enter into the divine story in church. That's good news. So what I want to do for a few minutes is I want to read a blurb from each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, the very beginning of each Gospel, and so we can kind of catch the tone, a little bit of the flavor of how... um, how these books kick off. And so, uh, so here we go. Uh, the Gospels are a dawn of a new era, and, and God is doing something new. He, had, he, he, had been, uh, he showed up in a major way through Jesus, and so, so this is new era kind of stuff. So Matthew writes, he opens up, saying, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, there's a whole lot going on in just one little verse. But then he goes on and reads a genealogy, which is fun reading, eh? Yeah, marvelous. Um, we're not going to read the gene- genealogy right now, but uh, he does go into the genealogy. And, and so Matthew was a Jew. You know, the whole storyline of the scriptures was uh, Jewish. And, and um, he's writing to a Jewish audience, okay? And so he, uh, he calls Jesus the Messiah, which was a very Jewish word, by the way. And so it, it means anointed ones. When we say Jesus Christ, that's the Greek way of saying Messiah, anointed one. So Messiah, Christ, it's all the same, anointed one. And um, this uh, anointed one is is what they would often do, is they would anoint things with oil. They would pour oil on something to make it special, to set it apart, to identify it, to make it sacred, to make it holy. So they would... They would um, uh, they would anoint things, certain objects, and they would anoint certain people, people like prophets, you know, the people who were speaking on behalf of God to the people. Uh, they, they would anoint priests, you know, the people who were functioning as these mediators between God and between people. They, they, were, they would be anointed. Uh, and then kings. Kings who were to rule over God's people and to lead them, uh, they would be anointed. And so, and so we see when Jesus is called the Messiah, it's saying a whole lot. Because there was a whole lot of expectation about this Messiah figure that would come. There was a whole lot of prophecies and a whole lot of um, dreaming and specu- speculation about this Messiah figure that would come. And Matthew is saying, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David. The son of Abraham. So, he's identifying Jesus in his Jewish line. Remember when we started many, uh, uh, a couple weeks back uh, um, where, where God makes this covenant with Abram, Abraham and, and he says, I'm going to bless the whole world through you? Well, this is it. And this is it, you know, where he is blessing the whole world through the seed of Abraham. His name is Jesus. And so he identifies Jesus in this Jewish line. And he says, you know, this is the fulfillment. This is the fulfillment of the whole story of God. And then he goes into this genealogy. Now, I'll be honest with you, it's, it's kind of a jacked up genealogy. Like, there's people missing. He skips over certain people. You know, like, good thing they probably wouldn't have been alive at the time of writing this. Because, like, dude, you... You skipped me in the genealogy, you know what I'm saying? You've not been invited to a party, um, or maybe you haven't, you don't know. But like, so uh, th- there are people that were skipped in this genealogy, but there's also some other things that, that we would not expect from a nice Jewish genealogy. Namely, there are four women mentioned. Now, now for us today, that's no big deal, Right? But for 2,000 years ago in Palestine, like that's not something you did. You wouldn't include women in the genealogy unless they're absolutely essential to the lineage. But what we see in these four women is that they're not essential at all. They're, they're not essential personnel uh, to the story. In fact, they're uh, somewhat of outsiders. Three of the four are foreigners, which isn't really helping Matthew prove his point of Jesus' lineage. And, and one of them had, had been raped in and, and some kind of crazy scandal. And another one was a prostitute. And, and it's just, this is not the stuff that you would put in a nice Jewish lineage. Now, the fact that, the, that, this, that Matthew does this, and then you can turn every page in the Gospel of Matthew after that, and you can see that Jesus is concerned with, um, with the outcast. You could see that Jesus is focused on um, those who weren't good enough. You could see that he was focused on the, on the least of these, the people that, that we um, may not always quite have time for. that Jesus was for those people. and that's, a, that's one of the things that Matthew is trying to pull out as he's t- retelling his account of Jesus' life and, and ministry, that through Jesus, outsiders can find. Belonging. Outsiders can find belonging. Then uh, move on to the Gospel of Mark. Okay? The next, the next guy up. And uh, a lot of people think Mark was written first. But uh, Mark was probably written to Christians and non-Christians in Rome. Okay? Now, Rome is an important city because uh, this was Roman Empire days. Okay? So that was the center of it all. That was the powerhouse of it all. They controlled uh, a good portion of the known world. And so Mark, um, in the first three verses, he says, the, he gets right to it. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Uh, that word good news, anybody know what the Greek word there is? Euangelion. It's the gospel, okay? It's the good news. Mark, uh, uh, the beginning of the good news, that gospel about Jesus, the Messiah, calls him the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of God, as is written in Isaiah the prophet. And he quotes, actually he quotes Malachi, he quotes Isaiah here. He says, I will send my messenger ahead of you uh, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now, this isn't talking about referring to Jesus. Who's it referring to? Who? John the Baptist, yeah, Jesus' is uh, eccentric, slightly older cousin, okay? And, and he was a prophet that God had sent as a forerunner before, Je- before his cousin Jesus to prepare the way to help the spiritual climate, to help people turn back towards God so they would be open to this kingdom of God breaking in through Jesus. And so there's this good news, this Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God. Now, some people think Son of God means um, that Jesus is divine, and there are some overtones of that or undertones of that. But Son of God is also another way to, to magnify or show someone's kingship. Kings were often son, uh, called sons of God. And so we see that Messiah kind of has this element of, of, of Jesus' kingship. And we see that, that Son of God is also another way of, of, uh, of, of sh- saying that, man, Jesus is king. And now, now here, here's where this gets a little interesting. The word gospel is not actually a Christian word. Uh, it didn't start in the Bible. Jesus wasn't the first one to come uh, saying the word gospel. It had come a few centuries before that. Uh, you may know this guy named Alexander the Great, uh, who, this great uh, great Greek leader and ruler and warrior, and they came and um, uh, conquered like uh, so much of the world, a massive empire and and for for um, for him, Alexander the Great, um, he would proclaim this good news, this this gospel. He would proclaim this gospel, and, and in that proclamation, his gospel was his empire. His gospel, his good news is that, hey, Greek has, Greece has arrived, and all the benefits that come with that, and, and this was completely revolutionary for that world today. Things like, like, like uh, healthcare, and hospitals, and, and, and education, and, and entertainment and sports, and, and all these things, the technology that came with them. We live in a, uh, a, a Hellenistic society today, uh, so many centuries after that, but a lot of that was due to Alexander the Great, and he would proclaim his good news, the gospel, and that good news was the empire that he offered to the world. A little later, a guy named Caesar, you know, Rome overtakes Greece, Greek, the Greeks and uh, uh, their empire is massive and they build off a lot of what the Greeks do. And, and And guess what Caesar does? He lays out his gospel, his good news to the world. What is it? Rome in all its glory. That's the good news that Caesar has to offer uh, to the world. So Mark is here, right, starting this gospel off. That he, Who's he writing it to? Probably Rome, to the believers, non-believers in Rome. And he presents Jesus' gospel, this good news. And there's a new king. His name is Jesus. And he proclaims the kingdom of God, and it goes and proclaims it right to the capital of the empire, of the whole known world. So that's Mark. Luke. Luke is a little bit different, okay? Luke actually gives us an introduction and. Uh, he's a a lot more um, uh, in thinking like what we would think, okay? A lot more um, of of our line of thinking. Uh, He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you. Most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. So Luke actually starts, and he lays out his purpose from the beginning. And that's, that's how we like it, right? Like we see it in the beginning. The other ones, uh, you kind of have to dig in a little bit and, and to discover their purpose. Uh, here uh, Luke lays it out. He, he was writing an orderly account, okay? And we see, look at the terminology. He says, uh, just as they were handed down to us. You know, uh, according to the eyewitnesses, he in- investigated everything carefully. And so Luke is like, look, I, I am a journalist and I'm going to give you the, and the accurate story, the facts of, how, of who Jesus was and what he did. I'm going to give you an orderly account, and this account's going to be for the, for the world. And uh, he wanted to clarify maybe some misconceptions or what people didn't know about Jesus. And he says, I write this to you, most excellent Theophilus. It means lover of God or friend of God. And he was writing so this guy, this powerful, probably rich guy would know Jesus. But chances are also this guy might have been floating the bill for Luke's writing of, of his investigation uh, the, his writing materials, which were incredibly expensive back then. Why? So that you can know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. And so he wanted him to know who Jesus was, that the story of Jesus is accurate and it's for the world. All right, so that's Luke. Now enter John. I remember John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, kind of uh, similar perspectives. John kind of comes in from right field, and uh, he goes... Um, and, and this is John, who was one of jesus 's disciples, one of his closest disciples, who spent lots of time with Jesus during his ministry. So he writes, "In the beginning was the Word. Now note the word word is capitalized, okay it 's referring to Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, through him all things were made, and without him, nothing has been made, uh, nothing was made. Um, that has been made the word became flesh this is verse 14 uh, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth and so so john kind of starts out a little bit different he like pulls the pin out of the grenade and and launches it right and, and just watch it blow up in the beginning was the word man, making so many connections with uh, with the Jewish line of thinking and with the Greek line of thinking. In fact, this word, word, uh, the Greek word is logos or logos. And, um, and it's a massively theological word. Uh, for the Greeks, it was this reasoning of the gods. You know how they had their all their Greek gods, the pantheon? Uh, it was the divine reasoning of the gods. And, and for the Jews, it was the wisdom of God, the very word of God. And, and he's using it to reference Jesus as the incarnation of the wisdom of God and, and God's agent in this world. In the beginning, it was this word. And the word was... With God and the Word was God. Man, sometimes people will say, well, the New Testament doesn't really blatantly call Jesus divine. You know, this is, this is as blatant and as obvious as it gets. Right here, that Jesus is divine. And, and, and take a step further, that Jesus is the creator of life. And so we see through this, this Jesus, this Messiah, you know, the anointed one. We see through uh, uh, this word, the Son of God, the Son of David, Son of Abraham, uh, uh, all these different titles and names for him, that through this Jesus, God showed up into the world. He taught with authority, and so much of the gospels uh, uh, tell of Jesus' teaching, and and he taught with incredible authority that pierced the hearts of, of those that heard him. We see Jesus' actions where he, uh, where he loved the outcast and he served so many people and, and uh, uh, he uh, was against the hypocrisy of the, the, of the religious establishment. We see Jesus as he performs miracles, showing his power as fully God, as, as fully man. He lived perfectly, he lived the perfect life. Yeah, he ended up on a cross, executed by crucifixion. And on that cross is where he offered his sinless life for our broken, sinful lives. Now, from a physical standpoint, it looked like the other guys won, right? It looked like the religious establishment, as crooked as they were in his day, looked like they, they won. This Jesus guy claimed to be king. He claimed to be divine. And, and, and they could simply wash their hands with this Jesus guy because now he was dead, he was gone. Uh, but as the storyline of the Gospels go, that they, and they all say this, that he rose from the dead. And that sounds crazy, doesn't it? It does because we, we see people die, but we don't see them raise again. Um, but it's also pretty crazy that we're talking about this over uh, 2,000 years later. Why? Because his followers, who were also pretty skeptical of this good news, and who, who also saw this Jesus they followed, they saw him die, so much so that they, they didn't know what to do. They went back to their day jobs. They were scared. They were terrified. They were panicking. But then they saw an empty tomb, and they saw a risen Jesus, and it changed everything. I mean, so talk about good news, right? I mean, your rabbi that you've been following, that you left everything and you've been following for years and, and you've been uh, with him with all these epic adventures and, and and you watch him get brutally executed and buried and then three days later you see him alive, then you realize the things he's been talking about now make sense because he told you about this. Man, and so towards the end of the Gospel of John, you know how Luke, Luke tells us his purpose up front, like point blank, John does the same thing at the end. All right, He tells us at the, uh, why he writes at almost the end of his gospel. So John chapter 20, verse 30, Jesus performed many other signs in, in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. So he's like, yes, there's more that happened. I didn't write it. And he says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing him, by believing, you may have Life in his name. So John gives us point blank why he writes. Man, why? So we'll believe. We'll believe in Jesus, who he is. Believe uh, is also the same word for trust. A lot of times we, we can say, oh, I believe something, but then we won't, we won't follow through with that. But, but, but this kind of believing is implied that we will also trust in him, that we will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. In his name. Uh, I want to let you guys know um, uh, Easter is coming, and a lot of churches will do something during the seasons called Lent to prepare uh, spiritually for a pretty big time in the church calendar as we prepare for Easter. So, for us this year, we're going to do a, a reading together for as many of you guys that will join in. And we're going to um, read through the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay, for over 40 days. And that starts actually this week. Tech- technically next week but kind of starts this week and um and it works out to be about three chapters a day just for the weekdays okay so you can do it um or you can do it uh you're going to join with everyone else so what you need to do is sign up at cfslovers.info. we're calling this the story of jesus so we're talking about the story of God, but this reading plan we're calling the story of Jesus, and you're going to read through the, the Gospels as they kind of uh, fit together. It's called a harmony of the Gospels, and it'll be good. We'll be sending out email, weekly emails to remind you and encourage you guys to give you some insights, but that's something I want to point you guys to. Um, just go ahead and sign up for today. But through the coming of Jesus, we see that like everything was changed. Like the story of God uh, has come to the pinnacle. It's come to the the point where where God is is fulfilling what he promised. It's good news. It's good news and our call is to trust. Just like what we've been saying week after week after week, God's call for his people is to trust him. And when we trust him, we step into the story because God wants to work in you. And God wants to work through you. Maybe you're at a point in your life where, man, you really, you really could use good news. You know, you're tired of getting beat down with thing after thing going wrong or something not going as you planned, something not going as you expected or hoped or prayed. Maybe you live in fear of the what if. Like, man, what if... What if this goes wrong? What if this person gets hurt? Or what if this doesn't work out the way I hope And we're paralyzed by fear. Maybe you're struggling to see where God is in all the mess of, of your life. And, it, and it's, it's at this point where we, where we celebrate that Jesus came into the mess, into our mess. Because he loved us. And he wants us to trust him. The story of God. You know, the, it's, John says... That he came to, um, that he writes so that we may believe and we will have life now life is a huge theme in the Gospel of John, and when John uses the word life he 's not just talking about living breathing I'm not just talking about just that because every one of you we 're alive i mean we're here we 're breathing, but when John uses life he's he's referring to uh, something more he's talking about eternal life okay we're talking about things like uh heaven he's talking about may give that that where where we will be for uh forever um as god intended in perfect harmony and relationship with god that's what he means by life but he's also talking about a full fullness of life now where there where um where we experience uh, god's peace and God's love and, and the hope and the promise of the things that he's, that he's giving us and is going to give us. That's the life that he wants to give us. And it's the kind of life that, that when we have, when we receive bad news in this world, it becomes less bad because we have life in Jesus. Church, this is the good news. This is actually the best news.